Welcome back to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. I'm Ryan. And I'm Brian. And this is the Bible, Bible Bistro. Bistro. Yes. Are we supposed to say it together? Well, if we can. Okay. It was fun. It's like a Laverne and Shirley moment. Are we having it? the music under this? Doing it all. Yes, the music's always underneath oh, this. I like the music. So. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. It is. Good. It's been a good day. We're back yeah. to the bistro. As it's you good. Yeah, you know, the bistro east, as I call this. This is our one of our normal <laughs> bistro east. One of our normal uh, hangouts. We're actually in the same room, which is nice. Yes, and we enjoyed a lot of coffee this morning. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of coffee. Yeah. Oh, it was good. It was good coffee. Uh, the coffee and, pot got empty, and Brian's like, is there more coffee? And the bistro here is amazing. The the wait staff brought us waters just now. The wait staff. And I also want to clarify the wait staff is my wife, and it is not disparaging to her. No, not at no. all. It was it was a joke. Anyway, but she, you should she tip, treats you should, us. You should tip your waiters and waitresses. Yes. Yeah, so. She is very kind. Mm-hmm. And so and we've just enjoyed some pastries from Right. Le, 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 le. I said Le Le, le, le Croissant. French bakery, and you're like, no, it's le, le croissant. <laughs> anyway, I can't it was good. That. It yes. was good. You know, we, we that's a good thing about the bistro. We like a little coffee. We like a little pastry. <laughs> and by little, we mean a lot. And a lot of the Bible. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> that's, our, that's our new tagline. A little coffee, a little pastry, and a lot of Bible. Bible. Oh, my gosh. That's, Brian. That's, that's a genius. <sighs> Right, right to the head. All right, so what are we talking well, about today? And, and that's all downhill from here. No. <laughs> so we got today. So we, we finished up Ephesians yeah, a couple weeks that was ago. Fun. It was. And we've had some good feedback there. Some people say, hey, I like the series. Some people say, I like the random. And some people say, I like a little of both. So yeah, and some I don't people know what like, to do thank, with that. thank the Lord it's done. <laughs> yes, but no, it, was thir- it was 13 weeks. Yeah. yeah. We took our time. Yeah. Slow walk on the beach. And so we're going to go through a few more random episodes, some things people have asked about, some things no one's asked for, <laughs> but you're getting it. <laughs> So before we get started, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna jump into Isaiah today. Yeah. But before we get started, we just like to remind everyone that uh, we would love your support. You can yeah. uh, support us on Patreon, yeah. and we have a couple different levels there. Um, so if you're enjoying the podcast and would like some Bible Bistro swag, we shared a photos a couple weeks yeah. ago that we have a couple mugs in the wild. Right. And there, it's rumored there's a T-shirt in the wild, but I'm not sure we're going to see it. But there's a T-shirt in the wild, <laughs> and that was kind of a mistake. But we're going to remedy that. So. Yeah. Yes, because that person really wanted a mug. <laughs> anyway, so but we we absolutely appreciate your support yeah. because as Brian travels to yeah. Bistro East and yeah. I travel to Bistro West and yeah. putting the Bistro episodes online, so and hosting we, and all those kind of all those expenses, things. So, so. Uh, but we do, you know, we hope you're enjoying the, yeah. the podcast or getting something out of it. You know, not just our ratings, right? And also say sh- share. Yes, um, that's an important part. You know, for if it. you give us good reviews and and that kind of thing on Apple Podcasts and other places, helps people find this podcast. Yeah, and absolutely. So, so we do have some new listeners though. So welcome. To yes, the new welcome so. new listeners and listeners we don't know. Yeah, that's great. Yes, yeah. tell Personally. us who you are. So. Tell us, yeah. <laughs> Let anyway. us know who you are. All right. So today we're jumping. We've yeah. finished Ephesians. And then last week we talked to the guys from Appian Media. Yeah. Uh, doing some video documentary work to help right. the church, those in the church understand uh, some yeah. different things. And they're in the middle of their fundraiser right now as we speak when the when, yeah, when this, be passed. Well, I was going to say, when this when this episode releases, it'll be passed. But they're trying to raise funds to go to Egypt. Sounds like an exciting project. Yeah. Yep. Just really, so, really excited to hear what they good. do with that. Yeah. Yeah. But today we are jumping into Isaiah, Isaiah. or Isaiah. I, Isaiah, Isaiah. That's Isaiah. how they say that's, that's it in the UK. Tom yeah. Wright says well, it. Well, it's IK, That's the UK pronunciation. Yes. So. so Isaiah seven. And Isaiah, There's a reason we fought the Revolutionary War. <laughs> we won our own language. 
<laughs> so Isaiah, you know, Isaiah, I think for a lot of people, you know, there's we've yeah. got a lot of those. Um, you know, there's this hearkenings to Jesus. Yes. You know, like that we Absolutely. get into some of that stuff. But Isaiah's a, not a small book. No. There's a 66 lot, chapters. There's a lot happening yeah. there, and there's yeah. a lot of prophecy about some great lines, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, and that I mean, Isaiah. I've just, I've been preaching. Part of this is going to be a couple upcoming. I've been preaching a series through Isaiah. It's been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I, I basically all summer long, uh, the, been taking the congregation where I preach through Isaiah. And you know, I would say one of my one of my favorite kind of throwaway lines is prophets always get the best lines. You know, there. <laughs> and and really, if you start to look at the, you know, we talk about apocalyptic language a lot. And and I think next next episode we're going to do some stuff in Revelation again. But uh, of course, there are some apocalyptic in Isaiah as well. But but the language of prophecy is just so rich and metaphor and image. And, and if you really kind of dig down, but people, I think, will kind of read it and they're like, I don't get it. And it's so much fun to kind of go through and say, look, look what he's saying here. We're going to have a couple of examples of that today. Yeah, there's, so. a, there's a lot. As I've been reading through the, my day-by-day Bible, we're in yeah. Isaiah, Isaiah, and uh, <laughs> going through it. And it's just Ryan, like, I, I love you, but I got to stop. I'm going to stop. I, yeah. I, I've met Tom Wright. You're no Tom Wright. <laughs> <laughs> I concur. I concur. No one is Tom Wright. Yes. Except Tom Wright. Yeah. Um, but reading through it, like, it's, sometimes you just got to pause. Right. Like, for me, it's just like, I got to pause and go, yeah. who's being talked to? Yes. Like, what's happening here? Because I think, again, this is one of the things that's right. talk about cultural context is like understanding geographic dynamics and yeah. what's happening there. Absolutely. Historical. Yeah. Historical context mm-hmm. and what's yeah. happening there, I think, is really important. But Isaiah, like... If you're not careful, I, I I fall into this trap. Like you just read, yeah. I'm just reading words yeah. and kind of going, how how do I make the the most sense of this? And you know what? I, yeah. I got to say something. You said you know prophets usually get the best lines, but they don't always get the best lives. <laughs> Fair point. Yeah, yeah. Traditionally, traditionally, it's I not ended well for them. <laughs> Jesus talks about pro, one of the prophets was sawn asunder, and and or it's in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. But um, by tradition, Isaiah under King Manasseh was sawn in two. That was the way he died. <laughs> So. Yeah, it didn't. Most of them, it did not turn not, out well. Not pleasant. Not a pleasant way to die. So, so anyway, yeah. so yes, we're in Isaiah, and we're looking at Isaiah seven yeah. specifically yeah. today. Well, that's the thing I thought would be interesting is look at some of the historical context, and this is one of those things that we're very familiar with. This passage we're going to look at, mm-hmm. but it, it when we look at it in its historical context, it kind of gives us a little bit of a different nuance than we're used to. So, you mentioned already Isaiah is used frequently, quoted frequently in the New Testament, find lots of references to it in the gospel. And in fact, some of the early Christian writers called Isaiah the fifth gospel Mm -hmm. because there's so many references to Jesus' life. Uh, A couple of different places we see some specific references. One is to Jesus' birth, and that's what we're going to look at today. And then, of course, his death. We find all this information uh, all these prophecies in the last part of the book of Isaiah we call the Song of the Suffering Servant, mm-hmm. and it it just it, it seems to mirror Jesus' death and his uh, um, you know just foreshadows the things that are going to take place in regard to his his death, but then also God's uh, work and salvation through him and his vindication. So, just an, it's an interesting book, and 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 it's kind of fun to look at again within its historical context. So. Just remind people of a couple of things. So, well, uh, let me let me read Matthew one first of all. This is the passage from Isaiah that we're going to be looking at. It, it's related to Christmas. Matthew one. It, it has to do with Jesus' birth. So, I think is what verses twenty two and twenty three that I ask you to pull up. Uh, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Now, this is immediately following. So that's the Isaiah. That's Mm -hmm. the Isaiah quotation. This is immediately following the dream that Joseph had 
after he finds out his Mary that he's engaged to, but he he had not yet um, had intimate relations with, that she's pregnant. And so the angel appears to him in order to give him this message that this is what God has ordained and Mm -hmm. it's okay to, you know, take him. He was going to put her away quietly. He says, take her as his wife because this, and then Matthew, who loves, I mean, if you you read the first part of the book of Matthew over and over again, we get this formula. This was to fulfill what the prophet said. He, He points out everything everything that has anything to do with these prophecies out of Egypt and you know, all, all these different things. Matthew says this, this fulfilled this prophecy. That's one of his major themes. So here he says, this was to fulfill this prophecy. And he quotes from Isaiah seven, the virgin will conceive and bear a child. And they'll call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us in Hebrew. Emmanuel uh, means with us. Um, and then God, you know, the word for God. So God with us is what that, what that literally means. So the interesting thing is we're familiar with that. We may, you may have seen that on Christmas cards or you may have right. you know mm-hmm. seen it in Christmas plays or cantatas or whatever. But, but that passage, when you go back and look in Isaiah chapter 7, that this will be a sign to you, you know, because we take, well, this is a sign that this, mm-hmm. is, this is the one that God had promised all these years ago. And that's a fulfillment, long-term fulfillment of the scripture. But when we go back and look at it in its historical context, we hear it completely differently. And I, always, I like this because it's one of those, and we do have some listeners say, oh, give us those things that kind of, you know, twi- little twist, yeah, yeah. twist us a little bit. Well, uh-huh. Hey, I never thought of it that way. And this is one of those examples of kind of hearing it in a di- different way. So you look back in Isaiah 7, I'll, I'll say a couple things just about Isaiah in general first is the early part of Isaiah's ministry is during the reign of King Uzziah. In fact, you might remember famous passage in Isaiah is Isaiah chapter 6, uh, which begins with, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the seraphim were saying, holy, 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 and all that kind of stuff. So so the year King Uzziah died. Now, what's significant about that? A couple things. One is King Uzziah had reigned for 52 years. That's a long reign. That's a long reign. And and you think about, you know, kind of the political stability that that brought. There's another thing about Uzziah that I find very interesting is is even though he had some serious problems. In fact, Second uh, Chronicles tells us, in fact, we may look at this passage in just a minute. Second Chronicles tells us that this led to his pride, which ended up uh he he tried to offer sacrifice in a way that only the priest should mm-hmm. and ended up breaking out in leprosy. But what led him to that point is he was able to give the southern kingdom, Judah, that he's the king of Judah during this period of time, he was able to give them military strength in a way that they had not had before, both defensive and in terms of their military in just a unique way. And that leads us in some ways to Isaiah 7, where Uzziah's son Ahaz is on the throne. So I'm trying to decide how to do this. Let, let me go. Let's talk a little bit about Isaiah 7, and then we'll go to Second Chronicles just to talk about what Uzziah did. But let's, okay. let's look a little bit at, at Isaiah 7. I'll read the first part of this. Let's go ahead and start in verse 1, because this kind of gives us some of the historical context. Uh, and basically, the if I'm going to give a name to this, the historical context, I'd call this the Assyrian threat. So there, there was a kingdom of Assyria, which mm-hmm. is down in, in the area between the Tigris and the Euphrates, what we call modern-day Iraq. Um, and, and this uh, kingdom was beginning to establish itself 
as a powerful empire and was beginning to defeat all these nations around it and and increase its strength and one of the ways that they would they would um, uh, break the backs of the of the kingdoms around them is they would displace the people so so when they mm-hmm. would conquer a nation they would take the people from that nation and they would put them in a different place and take people from that place and put them in that nation so everything was foreign it, it, was it, it made a much easier control yeah it made a much easier control of the people and so this is how the Assyrians operated so they're the, the Assyrian Empire is beginning to push in toward the the west toward these three nations the southern kingdom judah mm-hmm. the northern kingdom which we call israel during this time and the kingdom just north of them which is called syria uh syria or uh, in the in the old testament sometimes it's called aram and we'll find that word used here in this in this passage but given that context listen to what it says in chapter 7 verse 1 it says when ahaz son of jotham the son of uzziah so this is Uzziah's grandson, I said his son, but his, his grandson, was king of Judah, King Rezin of Aram, so that's Syria, Syria, and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, that's the northern kingdom, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. Now, the house of David was told, this is the reason that they tried to attack um, uh, the southern kingdom. Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. Ephraim's another way to talk about Israel. Israel. Uh, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim, so the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest were shaken by the wind. Now, here was the plot. What they were going to do is these two kings of Syria and the northern kingdom were going to join together. They were going to defeat Ahaz, and they were going to place someone on the throne of the southern kingdom that would be sympathetic to them and would allow them to harness the military power that Uzziah had established against the Assyrians. Mm-hmm. So that was their plot. That's what so, the, so where do we see where do we see that plot like? Uh, that's that's in Second Kings. Let, let's look mm-hmm. before that. Let's let's look Second Kings, but let's look at Second uh, 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 Second Chronicles first. Okay. Uh, look at Second Chronicles. I think it's chapter twenty six. I had you pull it up. I know. What? No, you didn't. Didn't I? Second <laughs> Second Chronicles chapter twenty six verse nine. Um, you can go ahead and read there. Uh, read nine down through about fifteen or so, and and you get a sense of what Uzziah had done that made, and this is to understand this plot, you've got to understand why the Southern kingdom, why Judah was attractive to the Northern kingdom and to Syria. So go ahead and read this starting in verse nine. Of 26? Yeah. Okay. Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, at the valley gate, and at the angle of the wall, and he fortified them. He also built towers in the wilderness and dug many cisterns because he had much livestock in the foothills and in the plain. He had people working his fields and vineyards in the hills and in the fertile lands, for he loved the soil. Okay, stop right there, and I'm going to have you read the rest of it in a minute. But so, so this is the fortification. He fortified Jerusalem to make it more defensible. Towers, of course, give you the height advantage when you're when you mm-hmm. have an enemy attacking, allows you to see far. Farther. And that's the other thing. These the series or system of towers that he built out in the wilderness was kind of an advanced, you know, early warning system. Early warning system uh, because you could see an, an approaching enemy coming, and you could signal, you know, down this system of towers in order to let the people in Jerusalem know, hey, there's there's an enemy army approaching. Gave you time to to prepare for the for mm-hmm. the battle better. But then go ahead and read verse 11, which is, this is just remarkable. Yeah. Uzziah had a well-trained army ready to go out by divisions, according to their numbers, as mustered by J.L., the secretary of... 
Maasai. Maasai. Yeah, I never know how to the pronounce officer it under the direction of Hananiah, one of the royal officials. The total number of family leaders over the fighting men was 2,600. Under their command was an army of 307,500 men trained for war, a powerful force to support the king against his enemies. Uzziah provided shields, spears, helmets, coats of armor, bows and sling stones for the entire army. In Jerusalem, he made devices invented for use on the towers and on the corner defenses so that soldiers could shoot arrows and hurl large stones from the walls. His fame spread far and wide, for he was greatly helped until he became, until he became powerful. And then 2 Chronicles goes on to talk about his pride and how pride was his downfall and that kind of thing. But isn't that interesting? So so here's what's it's 307,500 men in, in a trained army. So this isn't just... Um, Back then, that's, I mean, that's, very a, that's it's a huge army anywhere. It's, it's a huge army today. Yeah. But the other thing to notice is they were well-trained. In other words, this wasn't just a rabble. This wasn't just people that they gathered together like a militia when there was farmers a, just using whatever they had at their disposal. Because So not only was this a trained army, but then it, it mentioned that Uzziah was able, he, he was wealthy enough to be able to provide for them these both armor and also um you know, swords, bows, sling stones, all, you know, all these things. So they weren't just using... Unlike technology to... Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and then he also had the technology to hurl stones and this yeah. kind of stuff. So it was, it, it made, this is probably in some ways the height of Judah's military power and defensive power. So that's why it was so attractive. But but they knew the, the king of um, the northern kingdom, Pekah, and, and then the Re, Rezin, the king of Aram, both of those... Um, uh, kn- knew that Ahaz was not going to go along with them, right? That that they needed to usurp him and place somebody on the throne that would be favorable to him. And Ahaz knew this plot. It, it was something that people were worried about during this period of time. So that's the historical context of what's going on here. Okay. So what happens is um, that it says, you what's, know... What's interesting to me, though, uh-huh. is like, in the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest yeah. shake before the wind. Like, with all this military power... Yes. yeah feeling like, oh, two people came against us and there's this withering. Right. I think sort. there's even something beyond, it's not just the military power, but but here's what Isaiah's message is going to be, not to give away the ending before, but basically Isaiah's message is going to be, you know, God is the one who really you need to trust in. Mm-hmm. You don't trust in, in your military force. You don't, you don't trust in your kings. Trust in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, and he's the one who's going to bring these things to be. And, and so that's the message that Isaiah brings. And, you know, their response to that determines what happens uh, following this. And so that's that's what's okay. very interesting to me about this. Yeah, I just, you know, you re- read all yeah. about that, this sure. huge army with yeah. all these resources. Right. You know, and, and the, the next two generations away, it's like, oh, sure. there's an enemy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, dude, you got the stuff. Right, right. Okay, well, go ahead and, 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 well, I'll read a little bit further here. So this is this is back in Isaiah 7 now. So after we get this idea, you know, the people are shaken, Ahaz is, is afraid. It says, then the Lord said to Isaiah, you go out, you and your son, Sheer Yashub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field, or some of your translations say the washerman's field. So... What were you laughing I'm at? I'm just, it's just, it's a funny sentence. Hang on to that. Hang on to that. I promise in a later episode, we will come back to that location. That okay. location, that's, that's not a mistake that that location is, is mentioned here. Oh, good. Okay. I'm just. It, it's the it, Bible. It's the Bible, Ryan. It's important. Uh, stop it. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I feel like this is like, yeah. like I'm in the country somewhere yeah. and it's like, go down to the end of that fence. <laughs> 
take a left and you'll see Bob's cow. Well, let me read it. Let me read it again. And then I promise in, in maybe not next week or the week after, but eventually we will come back, back to, to this. this. Okay. So, so you, this is, this is a good one for you. You constant listeners <laughs> to, to be waiting for. Yes. So, so here it is. It, it's, he, he says, you meet him at this place at the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field. Okay. That's where you go. Launderer's field is probably a place. What they would often do is they would, they would have these big places where they would wash in these large pools and then lay these things out and they could either be uh, it could be bleached or dried in the sun is the idea Mm. that you'd have this field where you could lay out the cloth and this kind of thing so anyway here's what you are to say to him so this is god speaking through isaiah to ahaz okay like you said it's important to know who's speaking who's who's talking to who so here's what you're to say to him be careful keep calm and don't be afraid do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood Okay, so think about that image, a stub of firewood, you know, just a little bit of wood that's being burned up. And they're to be consumed. (laughs) Exactly. Because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the son of Remaliah. Aram, Ephraim, and Remaliah's son. I'm not even going to name him, (laughs) right? Yeah. Remaliah's son um, have plotted your ruin, saying, let us invade Judah. Let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son of Tabeel king over it. Okay. Yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus. The, the capital city of Syria is Damascus. The head of Aram is Damascus. And the head of Damascus is only resin. Here's the message. Within 65 years is how this begins. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria. So capital of Ephraim, Samaria. Head of Samaria is only Remaliah's son. And that here's the message for Ahaz. I love this. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. What do you think he means by standing firm in your faith there? How would you understand that in this context? Well, I think it'd be, it has to be faith in God. Yeah. If, like, you don't, if, you don't trust, if you don't trust God with this, you're not going to stand at you're all. You're not going to stand at all. And, and basically God's saying, I, I have the future in my hand. One of the interesting themes in Isaiah is this idea that God knows the future. And, and you know, no matter our plots and plans and, and other people's plots and plans against us, you know, the best of leaning on our wisdom, the message is God is the one who's in control of the future. And we place our trust in him. And he's the one that brings about what what his purpose and his plan is. Another passage I hope we get to look at later on that, that really brings that home uh, in, in just very dramatic. In fact, so dramatic ways do we, we find some future prophecy in Isaiah that some people cannot handle it as predictive prophecy and believe it has to be written after the fact because it is so specific mm-hmm. and so to the point of what happens that people say this this can't be predictive prophecy. This has to be written after the fact. And we'll talk about that another time. It's not the only reason I trust God's word. And this is worth worth inserting, I hope, but it's not the only reason I trust God's word. There's lots of reasons that that I believe God's word is trustworthy, um, that I believe it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. But predictive prophecy, like we've talked about already, the prediction of Jesus' birth and the prophecies concerning that, many of which are in Isaiah, prophecies concerning the manner of his death, which we find in, in other places, but also in Isaiah, like Isaiah 53 and all these places. This is one of the reasons I believe Scripture is trustworthy. Uh, because we find things predictive that come to be in exactly the way that God says. Mm-hmm. So here he's saying to Ahaz, you're really worried about this thing. But I'm telling you, 
within 65 years, it's not even going to be a concern. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a worry. Now, I'll, I'll go ahead. What, and, what I think is interesting here, I'm uh, sorry to interrupt yeah, you. No, no, I think it's, it's interesting is 65 years. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, oh, in six and a half hours, yeah. they're going to be defeated. Yeah. But it's just, it's this idea of this. And I'm, I'm thinking, projecting ourselves sure. onto that. Like, God's saying, like, I'm going to I'm gonna do this. But, you know, even for um, Ahaz, Ahaz is not going to be on the throne at that point. Right. Yeah, I'll, I'll come, exa- you, you, I'll get back to exactly what I was going to say in just a minute. But but just to, to keep on with this, it, it's worth us thinking about that, how many of the things on a day-to-day basis that cause us a great deal of concern within, you know, right. after our lifetime are, are not going to matter? Mm-hmm. You know, there are, there are things that are eternal, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about that. There are things that have eternal value and eternal weight, and those are worthy of our attention. There's so many of our things that we spend, and I, I mean, I, I'm chief, chief of sinners here. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm the worst of sinners in this because I worry about a lot of things that, <laughs> right? I've had my fair share of that, well, yeah. And, and, and that never, that never come to pass. And, and to think about, you know, a lot of these things within, you know, by the time of our children, our grandchildren's lives, these are going to mean very, very little, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just, just kind of maybe a sense of perspective on that. That having been said, I'm going to look a little bit into chapter 8, and he narrows it down. He says it's going to be even sooner than that. God, mm-hmm. But God starts with this and basically says to Ahaz, what, what are you doing? What are you worrying about with this? I'm going to take care of it. And in other words, and Paul says this in his sermon to the uh, to, in a- Athens is one of the places that I almost said Athens. Isaiah. Um, <laughs> Well, Athens is how they say it in Illinois. For those for those of our listeners who are not familiar with yeah. Illinois, there's a there's a town in in Illinois called Athens, which is spelled very much like Athens. But but anyway, anyway, it, it, when he was preaching in the Areopagus, this is one of the things that Paul says there is God is the one who who determines the times and the boundaries of the nations. Mm-hmm. Is what he says. And, and, and I mean, I'll, I'll be frank. This is something we get concerned about today. We hear about wars and rumors of wars, uh, to, mm-hmm. to quote Jesus. Um, we think about the things that are happening, and, and we we become afraid. We become frightened. What's the, what kind of world does this mean? Uh, we mm-hmm. worry about our own country and, and divisions and things that we see within it. And I think... What does it mean? You know, uh, if you don't have faith, you're not. If you don't stand on your faith, you're not going to stand at all, right? If you don't place your trust in God, then all these other things are passing. All these thing, other things are. Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're 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 transitory. Yeah, they're, they're transitory. They're, they're transitory, right? And and so anyway, no, I, I just I think that's really interesting. Yeah. You know, it's uh, Ahaz is have faith in me, yeah. but also like, it, it, it's all about perspective for me, you know, yeah. like, as I think about this, like God's got this perspective of like, put your faith in me, I've got this. And right. but like, it's longer, you know, I, I just, the 65 years thing is really what yeah. kind of got me. True. It's just like, you know, his, his fear is rooted in his moment right yeah. then and there. Absolutely. It, the, the armies that are coming, it's rooted yeah. right then and there, but it's, um, you know, God's saying like, I've got it and yeah. it's 65 years. And how, yeah. How many times? Yeah, how many times is that like us though? You know, yeah. just right what's and right a, in front I of see us. Ahaz kind of going, uh, yeah, that's cool, that's great, but <laughs> what about now? Yeah. Except now, anyway. Well, let, look at this next part. Then I want you to I want you to see this though. Verse ten. This is where what we're talking about today. This is all this. No, no. This is this all is, set up. Oh, but it's 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 good stuff. It's exactly the point I was going to make today. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign. 
Now, this is pretty remarkable that God is saying to Ahaz, I'm going to bring this about um, and, and ask for a sign. And I mean, God asking him. And, and, Test and, me. And listen to what he says. He says, he says, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights, anything from, from the pit up to the heavens, ask me for any sign you want and I'll give it to you. Now, that's a remarkable thing. I, I don't know of another case where we have God doing exactly that kind of thing. Now, Ahaz responds, and, and we've got to understand this response. And again, it's understanding the history and looking at some other books and seeing the parallels here to what takes place. But, but listen to, to what Ahaz says. Ahaz says, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Well, that sounds very pious. Holy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Sounds very holy. I'm not going to put God to the test. Who am I? But here's the problem is Ahaz has already decided what he's going to do. Okay. This is where I want to look at second Kings then. Okay. Just to give you a sense of what his plan is. So verse seven, this is second Kings chapter 16 and verse seven. Do you want me to read this? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Ahaz sent messengers to say to Tiglath Pileser, the king of Assyria. Okay. I am your servant and vassal. Come up and save me out of the hand of the king of Aram and the king of Israel who are attacking me. Hmm. So what did he do? He went to the enemy of his enemies. <laughs> right. So, so the northern kingdom in, in Syria are afraid of the Assyrian threat. And so he goes to the king of Assyria. He says, come on up, bro. Come and help me. Exactly. Ahaz took the silver and gold found in the temple of the Lord and the treasures of the royal palace and sent it as a gift to the king of Assyria. The king of Assyria complied by attacking Damascus and capturing it. He deported his inhabitants to Kir and put resin to death. Then King Ahaz went to Damascus to meet Tiglath-Pileser, uh, king of Assyria, saw an altar to Damascus, and, and anyway, he goes on, and he, he ends up, uh, one of the things that Ahaz's problem is, is he has false worship. In fact, the scriptures tell us that he sacrificed his own children in the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not a good king. But, but <laughs> That's you, a pass. Do you, do you see what happens is he goes to the, to the threat itself, and he says, I surrender. Mm-hmm. And so the king of Syria is going, okay, I'll, I'll take care of Syria for you and the northern kingdom. And then guess what? After I take care of the northern kingdom, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. That's exactly what he does. This is it, it, the foolishness of Ahaz here is hard for me to, to describe because basically he's like going, what, thing, what, what promise do you have that he's not coming for you as that, well? That's exactly the, that's exactly the point. He's going, you know, you said the enemy of my enemy, but this is really the one who's gobbling up. This is the, the Assyrians who are gobbling up the whole known mm-hmm. world this time and he puts himself in debt he puts himself in debt to the king of assyria and and you know again uh, we we see some really good poetic li- or prophetic language here regarding this whole situation so again let's go back to isaiah 7 here's what god says i'll give me ask for a sign i'll give it to you and he has us, oh, I would never put the Lord to the test. He's already leaning on his own wisdom. He's not standing on his trust in the Lord. He's standing upon his own wisdom or leaning upon his own understanding, to, to mm-hmm. quote Proverbs. But here's what it says. Then Isaiah said to him, verse 13, then Isaiah said to him, hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. 
God with us. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. Before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. Now, uh, this idea of being able to choose the wrong and, and, and the right, the, the tradition is that a, a, a person in, in, in uh, uh, Hebrew tradition here, the idea of a person being able to make a decision is 13 years old. That's the age of being able to decide, mm-hmm. knowing the right from the wrong, right? Mm-hmm. And, and he says, before this child that's going to be born is 13 years old. So, so you said 65 years. Well, now it's 13 years mm-hmm. before this happens. Those two kings are going to be gone. But isn't that a different context to hear the Lord himself will give you a sign? You don't want a sign? I'm going to um, give you a uh, sign. Yeah. It's coming at you, bro. <laughs> I, could have, I could have given you options, but. <laughs> now, let's talk about this, this, this phrase because it's, it's kind of controversial. In fact, I want you to go back. I, want you, I had you bring up the New Revised Standard mm-hmm. Version. This became controversial when the original Revised Standard Version translated this passage in Isaiah 7 in this way. I'm going to go ahead and give you the Hebrew word here for what's translated in NIV as virgin is the Hebrew word Alma. Okay. Now read this in 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 the in the New Revised Standard Version. Therefore, the, this is verse fourteen of Isaiah seven. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. Okay, back in the fifties, when the original Revised Standard Version did this, it caused lots of controversy. You know, because here it's not virgin; it's young woman. Now, the word Alma is is there is a word for virgin virgin that's specific in 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 Hebrew. We see in Leviticus and different places where the law about virgins is is very specific. This word Alma, to use older English, we don't use this word too much, but but is 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 the word for maiden. Okay, a young woman, but but maiden specifically. Um, like it's the difference between the really the only place we ever see it is if you know the difference between a maid of honor and a matron of honor, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of an outdated concept in our in our context. Um, but a, a maiden is one that is not yet married, and therefore by implication, has, she's a virgin. She's a virgin, and so that's that's where now in, in Matthew's translation of this, in, of course, that's in Greek, right? Mm-hmm. And that translation uses the word parthenos. In Greek, which it means unavowedly virgin. I mean, there's no question there. Mm-hmm. there. There is a little bit of controversy here because this is the word Alma, which means a maiden, a young young woman, not yet married would be the implication, and, and therefore a virgin. And so this points toward this theology we have of the virgin birth, which again, in, in Matthew is very explicit, is, mm-hmm. is very clear. There's no question there's, there. Right, let, me, yeah. let, me, let, me, let me make sure you understand that. But here... And, and, and here's the idea. I think what we have possibly is a short-term fulfillment because he's talking about a child that's going to be conceived and born in the time of Ahaz. So we're not talking about the virgin birth of Jesus, mm-hmm. but that's the long-term fulfillment of it as well. Okay, mm-hmm. so this is so the most, a short-term. I think so. Short-term and long-term fulfillment. There's there's times in prophecy, and we understand this, that, that this is one of the things that we happen. But again, first we look at the historical context, and what is God saying to Ahaz? I'm going to give you a sign. There's a child going to be born, and, and they're going to call him God with us. And before that child is 13 years old, then Aram and, and um, Ephraim. Uh, Ephraim are going to be destroyed. So, so I think that's what the, the for Ahaz, that's the message. Okay, mm-hmm. now 
that becomes, and as Matthew makes clear, this fulfills this prophecy that the maiden is going to conceive and have a child and is, in a miraculous way, and his name is going to be Emmanuel. That's not taking away from that at all, but it's understanding it within this historical context as well, is the way I would say that. Does that yeah. make any, bring any questions to you or any... Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, we've talked about this, like, uh, with eschatology. Yeah, You know, like, sure. it's realized eschatology mm-hmm. and future eschatology. Yeah. And so I think it's, you know, I, we're reading it backwards. Sure, from a from a later perspective. A later perspective mm-hmm. reading back. And I think yeah. it's, I, I would have always just said, ver, you know what I mean? Like, sure. Yeah, I think that's hard to, because the way that we read it in English, just say right. virgin, we just think, oh, well, this is a messianic yeah. prophecy, which it is it is because mm-hmm. Matthew references it, but it also had a very yeah. real meaning in that time. And we see lots of other messianic prophecies that that have this kind of short term fulfillment before the time as well. Um, you know, I can think about just off the top of my head, Zechariah, for example, uh, where we have a reference that that even we've seen in the Book of Revelation is used to refer to uh, Jesus and his his um, redemption, um, but in the, in the short term has to do with the priest and, and with the king uh, mm-hmm. at the time of the rebuilding of the temple that Zechariah is really talking about in the historical context. Just one example. Is there What's to the name Emmanuel? Well, like I just, yeah. do, do we talk a little about, I mean, do we well, know who this kid is? Or? Well, I think so. I think so. There's And it's a little controversial, but most people understand it. If we go into chapter eight, mm-hmm. uh, I think we'll see, see this. I, just like Jesus, of course, Jesus isn't named Emmanuel, right? <laughs> right. He, it's a title. It's given to him. Exactly. And, and so I think it's more about, so here's Ahaz who's leaning on his understanding. And, and the point is that the opposite of this, you know, the one who's born is God with us. That's the one you need to be trusting, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's the attitude you need to have. It's more of a, almost in this context, and, and again, I want you to hear it this way, it's almost a... Um, what would I say? A a, um, a warning. It's a it's a denunciation of Ahaz's policy here mm-hmm. to say you you need to be more like you need to be Emmanuel. You need to be you know mm-hmm. the idea that God is here with us, and instead you're trusting in your own military prowess, your own um, uh, negotiations, your own uh, what's the word? Um, I'm not coming up with good words today, but the uh, uh, your uh, you know between nations the the um, uh, your Diplomatic. Po- diplom- yeah, diplomacy. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> thank, Diplomatic relations. Thank you. Diplomacy. Thank you. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay. So there you go. But woo. So. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Uh, yes. Let, let's go. Let's go a little bit further here because this is just good. This is just good language. So verse 16. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong, choose the right. The land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. The Lord will bring on you and on your people and on the house of your father a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah. He will bring the king of Assyria. In other words, the king of the king of Assyria is is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this is you know, I'm going to take care of uh, Ephraim and Aram, but. It's also coming to you as well. Well, let me and let me finish here then. So in that day, this is verse 18. In that day, the Lord and this this gets <laughs> this is that language that I love, but it's sometimes a little little unhard a little uh, unclear. In that day the Lord will whistle for flies from the Nile Delta in Egypt and for bees from the land of Assyria. Okay, so here's these two major superpowers. And I'll go ahead and tell you, not to give away the ending, but later on, uh, there is a delegation of people from the southern kingdom that look to uh, the Pharaoh, who's I believe his name So at that time, but the Pharaoh of Egypt to come up and help them when the Assyrians are at their door. 
Okay, this is during the time of Ahaz's son Hezekiah, and we'll get to that another time. But, but so I'm going to whistle for th- flies and bees, right? Mm-hmm. So this is going to be a, so we're thinking plagues, maybe we're thinking mm-hmm. this kind of thing. So um, they will all come and settle in the steep ravines and in the crevices in the rocks and all the thorn bushes and in all the water holes. In that day, and this is the really cool language, the Lord will use a razor hired from beyond the Euphrates River, the king of Assyria. Mm-hmm. Okay, so th- when you think about a razor, what do you think about? Cutting. Okay. He's going to hire a razor, and here's what he's going to do with it. He's going to shave your head and private parts and cut off your beard also. <laughs> okay, so so think about that. We, we even use this phrase, a close shave. Mm-hmm. He's going to barely escaping. Something. He's going to come and he's going to shave the hair off off your head, you know, yeah, 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 everywhere, yeah. and so and off your beard, you know. And so here's the idea: is is this going to be a close shave? But you're going to survive, okay? And, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you again, not to give this away, but we'll talk about this in a later episode. That's exactly what happens. The king of Assyria comes. He destroys. Uh, Syria, he destroys the northern kingdom, and he begins to attack the northern cities of Judah, and he shuts Ahaz's son Hezekiah up in the city of Jerusalem. And it's a close shave, mm-hmm. but they escape. Okay, They're not destroyed at the time of Assyria. So... Kind of cool language there, I think. So. I bet you Ahaz is kind of going, man, I wish I'd asked for a sign. <laughs> like, if I'd known what the next paragraph was going to bring, I would have just... Well, <laughs> you know, I, I think I think his issue is that he he's trusting in his own wisdom. And, and again, there's a lesson here for us, right? Yes. How many times do we trust in our own wisdom rather than, rather than saying, okay, I'm going to place my trust in the God who I believe holds the future in his hands and, and is able to deal with these these issues, right? I'm going to place my trust in him. And I'll go ahead and say, this isn't a, this isn't a, a Pollyanna kind of thing. Oh, if I trust in God, everything's going to work out good. Mm-hmm. Here's what trust in God is. Trust in God is saying, even when things don't work out the way that I want them to, mm-hmm. then I'm trusting his goodness and that in the fullness of time that, that all will be right and all will be made well. Yeah. And that's the tough part. Yeah, the fullness of time. Yeah. It's 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 easy when when things work out the way we want them to. Well, yeah, I trust God. Yeah, woo. But it, it's when the razor comes out, right? And we're getting the close shave. Mm-hmm. That's that's when it's that's when it's difficult. I think. Yeah, so. and I and I, you know, you think about. I've, I've always said this. You know, we talk about. You know, we read the Bible as this very high level, looking back on it. Right. But, you know that they're. As later on in scripture, when there's those in Babylonian exile and all that stuff, like there's a lot of people that didn't live the good life right then, but like God's promise was still true to them, even though right. their personal life did not flourish necessarily. Right. You know, right. and I think that's hard for us is like if I'm not flourishing right in my context and my time right now, that God right. is not God. Right. So it's kind of, I, I just, I think that's, that's why the 65 years stuck out to me. Yep. It's kind of going, having that long perspective and that our vision is so limited in scope and what we can see. Right. So, so 65 and then 13. Let's go. Why, why does that change? Let's go ahead to eight. Let's go. Oh, Cause, Cause I think there's a reason for this. Okay. Look at eight uh, chapter one. And you ask, who's this Emmanuel dude? So it says, <laughs> the Lord said to me, Take a large scroll. This is God yeah. speaking through Isaiah again, speaking to Isaiah. Take a large scroll and write on it with an ordinary pen, Mayor Shalahashbaz. Oh, Mayor Shalahashbaz. Right. 
which means uh, something like swift to the plunder, speed the spoil, something along those lines. In other words, uh, be quick in in getting getting the things that 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 um, you've 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 won in warfare. Kind of mm-hmm. be quick to get these things. Okay, mm-hmm. it's coming quickly, kind of thing. So I called in Uriah the, the priest and Zachariah son of uh, Jeberachiah as reliable witnesses for me. So mm-hmm. two witnesses. Um, uh, then I made love to the prophetess, and she conceived and gave birth to a son. Now. Remember, the sign was you're going to conceive and give birth to a son, you're calling him Emmanuel. Well, here the name of this child is to be Mayor Shalahashbaz, which means hurry up. Just incidentally, I wanted to name my first son Mayor Shalahashbaz. Mayor Shalahashbaz. What's, what's so wrong with that? Now, here's the funny thing my wife did not allow me to do that. Um, so we named him Alexander instead. But close. But, it's close to Mayor yeah, Shalahashbaz. It's close. It's a similar idea. But, but, then the first time I saw this, there's an actor who's that's his, this is his name. This is his given name. Now he goes by shortened form of this, but the first time I saw this, this actor was in um, oh the Benjamin Button movie. What was the name of it? The Life Curious and, Case of Benjamin Curious Button. Case of Benjamin Button. I couldn't remember the first part. Of it. Curious yeah. Case of Benjamin Button, and uh, Mayor Shalahashbaz Ali, who now goes by Mahershala. So he's he's shortened his name. I think partly because it wouldn't fit in the Internet Movie Database. <laughs> IMDb, <laughs> but uh, but Mahershala Ali, this is where his name comes from. It comes from Mayor Shal Hashbaz. But anyway, that's probably it's too much information. Too much information. So he, he conceives and gives birth to a son. And the Lord said to me, "Name him Mayor Shal Hashbaz, because before the boy knows how to say my father or my mother." So, so think about this. You had 65 years, then you had Thir- before he knows right from wrong. 13, and now before. And now it's before he's going to re- conceive and have this child, and before he says, mama, papa, you know. So mm-hmm. think about it. The first words a child says in any language, you know, abba, mm-hmm. you know, before he can speak. So what are we talking? Two, one of you mm-hmm. two years? Mm-hmm. The wealth of Damascus and the plunder of Samaria will be carried off by the king of Syria. Assyria. So... So you get what I'm saying, it, 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 and it's so it's kind of like what you're talking about. Do you trust me in 65 years, 13 years? How about two years? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. can you place your trust in me that long, or are you going to take matters into your own hands, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so there's this narrowing, right, in, yeah. in a way. And and I think I think it's intentional. That's that's why I think we have this sequence of events here in this. Um, very, it's a very interesting passage, and there's there's some controversy about it. This is the way I was taught it, and, and it makes a lot of sense to me. There are others that. that think this and so so i think it's a narrowing down say within a couple years what you're worried about ahaz is going to be taken care of by god and in fact the interesting thing is the very the very nation and the very king that you're afraid of is who god is going to use as a razor (laughs) to to cut you close to cut it close right that's exactly it he's going to bring the assyrians and, and he's going to take care of this threat you have from the north but you know, even when you guys go down to Egypt, the, the the people who go down to Egypt try to take care of it on you know by again military prowess by dip- diplomacy, God is going to take care of it because He's God, and He's the one ultimately, as Paul said to the to the Athenians, He's the one who sets the times and the boundaries of the nations. You know, I, I apply this sometimes to our to our congregations, and there are discouraging times sometimes. And I'll, mm-hmm. I'll say we're in a discouraging time right now. And uh, you know, one of the things I keep saying is if God has a plan for a congregation, 
the doors are not going to shut, right? No, mm-hmm. Nothing's going to happen to bring that to an end. On the other hand, if the God is if God is done with a congregation and the and and the work, there's nothing you can there's do. nothing you can do about it, right? Now that's not to say we sit back and kind of just you know wait, don't do anything, right? But but it 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 does give us a sense of perspective that if we're going to trust God. We have to tr- trust God. We have to trust him in, in the good times and in the bad. And, and when things seem to be going well and when things don't, you know, we have to trust that God is doing something even in the midst of this. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so. So anyway. Um, so anyway, before he knows my mother, my father, wealth of Damascus, plunder of Samaria, will be carried out by the king of Assyria. The Lord spoke to me again because the people have rejected the gently flowing waters of Shiloh and rejoices over Rez and the son of Remaliah. Therefore, the Lord is about to bring against them the mighty floodwaters of the Euphrates. <laughs> Another, mm-hmm. see that line that he's going to basically bring bring the the Euphrates, the king of Assyria, with all his pomp. I will overflow all its channels ran over its banks and sweep into Judah, swirling over it, passing through it, reaching up to the neck. Close shave. It outspreads wings, will cover the breadth of your land, Emmanuel. Okay, God with us. So so that's kind of the, the prophecy here. Again, the point of all this is to trust in God rather than all of the other things that we place our trust in. Our, you know, So here's Ahaz. Are we trusting our own military strength? Am I trusting in my alliances? Am I placing my trust in other people, even this enemy that mm-hmm. that, that is coming to attack? Um, and, and so here, here's what I invite our listeners to think about if they want to apply this message to their own life is because I know you're big on the so what question. I, I am because it, <laughs> it's relevant, right? Yes. So so what do we place our trust in? Right. What are we looking to when, when we're concerned about something? What do we look to? You know, wealth strength, um, friends, family, you know, and, and I'm not saying any of those are bad things, but, but. I'm, but I'm saying if we don't trust the Lord first in the midst of all of this, then we've, we've made him an idol. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, we've put, you know, our own lean, not unto your own understanding and all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll make your path straight. That That's, that's the message, right? Mm-hmm. So, one more little passage here. This is verses 11 through 15. I just love this image, too. And you get, get what I'm saying. This prophetic language is so – it's a lot like we've talked about with Revelation. Such strong oh, imagery mm-hmm. and these metaphors. So this is what the Lord says to me with his strong hand upon me, warning me not to follow the way of this people. Do not call conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. Now, now this is kind of the idea of, again, talking about – uh, you know those who are coming up against Ahaz. Uh, later, I think it's going to apply when we see this group within Judah who's wanting to go down to Egypt in order to look for help. Don't don't join in all that stuff. Don't you know? Don't say that this is this is the way that it is. Do not fear what they fear. Do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one who who you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you're to dread. He will be a holy place for both Israel and Judah. He will be a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Maybe we've heard that before someplace. Mm -hmm. And and for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Many of them will stumble. They will fall and be broken. They'll be snared and captured. So 
so you know the idea is don't don't be you know he's he's a rock of protection but if we stumble on him in other words if mm-hmm. we don't if we don't trust in him then it becomes for us um, a snare a, a trap a, a, yeah a a, a um, just it becomes destruction it becomes a, a warning mm-hmm. so so that's the message here i think that we have by the way if you keep going on down by the get, time you get to chapter 9 Here's the promise of hope for the future. Nevertheless, there will no longer be gloom for those who are in darkness. Uh, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And, of course, that's another great Christmas passage for us, right? Mm-hmm. This promise of one uh, who's going to be born, a child is going to be born and a son given, and the government will be on his shoulders. So so we have this son born, Emmanuel, Mayor Shalahashbaz, at the time of Ahaz, who becomes a sign from God uh, of God's reckoning with these nations that Ahaz is afraid of. And long term, we have this promise of the son that's going to be born and the government's going to be on his shoulder. He's going to be the king of kings. He's going to be mm-hmm. the one that we can place our trust in no matter what nations rise and fall. It's the juxtaposition against yeah, Ahaz. I think so. I think so. Yeah, that that we are called to trust in, Lord, in the Lord in a way that Ahaz did not. And the people did not. You know, again, mm-hmm. it, the, the, it, it wasn't just him. It was the people were shaken. It, like. It's the leadership. It's the leadership that, that leads them in, in the incorrect way. We talked about when we got to judges and you see it throughout this mm-hmm. you know the, the leaders lead the people in, in a way that that is away from what God has called for them and, and so uh, judgments what what the result is yeah wow that's great uh, this is this is great because I think that's one of those yeah. things you know 65 13 you know yeah, like the two yeah. like to see um, that progression and to yeah. kind of get an understanding of why we maybe see that progression yeah. of time that where God says 65 and then it's 13 and then it's Dude, even younger. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, the implications for us in that as well. Right. So, right. Yeah, I think so. And, and again, when we, it always cracks me up when we hear this at Christmas time, cause it's, you know, Matthew, it's such a nice thing. Oh, the, you know, this promise and, 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 and don't get me wrong. That, that's what it is. Yeah. But to hold it back against this, this. So, so I guess the only difference I would say in the message for us is this idea here is, I mean, what kind of sign is a, is a, a virgin that's with child? Mm-hmm. You know, here's the sign that God has given us of his salvation in Jesus. And, and so the warning would be the same. Don't trust in your, your own understanding. Don't trust in your own strength. Don't mm-hmm. trust in your, in your alliances. Trust in the Lord. And, and he's the one who's brought to salvation in Christ. Yeah. That's a great message. Great message. Very well, good. thanks, Brian. It's been good to be here in the Bistro again. Absolutely, yeah. So, and so, uh, listeners, if you've enjoyed, you know, we invite you to share this episode. Yeah. And uh, you know, again, if you're enjoying it with us on a regular basis, we invite you to join us on Patreon. Yeah, we good. will be back uh, next Tuesday. Next Tuesday, and I think we're going to look at Revelation. Maybe we haven't, oh, we haven't yeah. been. Everybody loves Revelation. We haven't been in Revelation for a while, so we need to. Yes. What do you want to talk about? You want to talk about? Well, we talked about virgins today. Let's talk about virgins. <laughs> virgins next week and see if we can find the virgins in in the book of revelations absolutely all right well brian we'll see you then all right see ya bye